Hi, hey there. What's up, cutie? My name is Brittany Marie from Dreamstruck Studio, and you're listening to My Next Era, the cheeky rom-comantic podcast for creative misfits and rebellious streamers. Here, I talk about living life as the main character. I talk about facing what it is that you resist. Um, I talk about very real things. <laughs> that are going on within my life as I step into the person that I am becoming and my purpose and sharing what is uh, going on in real time when I am able to is to hopefully tell the stories of what you are experiencing right now in this time too so we can both expand and grow together. Um, With this show, we are not necessarily looking for answers. We are just expressing, communicating, and being within the moment. And that is a lot of what this episode gets into today, as I am going to be talking about my breakup era. Very unexpected. I never would have imagined that this would be where I am now um, just a few months ago, which is pretty wild, (laughs) pretty, pretty wild to think about. So I actually have a a little, just a smidgen of a a monologue for you before we dive in, before I get into all those juicy details. If you noticed on the the title of the show, um, we're going to be joined with a guest today. And that guest is my beautiful girl, my bestie, Ari Farley. Um, She is absolutely so inspiring, um, vivacious, full of life. Um, she's so curious and and talking to her lights me up the way that she is so um, attentive and present. And, um, you know, there's there's no one better for me to be a mirror alongside within my own creative journey as well as, you know, as, as with Ari. Um, she is uh, an illustrator and a lettering artist, and she is a ooh, she is a very talented one at that. Her art um, is really uh, it's very grounded, yet it's very like um, bubbly and it has a lot of energy. And there's something about it that just makes me feel a sense of joy, but not like joy for the sake of joy, just like the joy of being able to experience the little moments through every day. Um, and just, yeah, the way that she portrays and thinks and, you know, captures what she sees and what she appreciates in the world, I think is just so, is so beautiful. And actually very recently, if you want to engage with her work on a, on a, you know, even more in-depth level, she did a, a collaboration with Jiffy. And Jeffy reached out to her because they had done or have been doing a project for saving libraries. And so she was one of the artists that they reached out to. And you can go to Jiffy right now and go look at all these amazing <laughs> GIFs of uh, about, you know, going to the library, reading your book, supporting your library. And just she's got other really fabulous other um, GIFs as well that you can actually use within your Instagram stories. You can look up her name, Ari Farley, and you will find the GIFs that she has created, which is very, very cool. Um, Jiffy was actually so taken with her work, as they should be. Uh, be, and they decided to actually interview her for a spotlight feature on their medium platform, which is like their, their kind of blog platform. So if you want to read that, that is linked in the show notes. Um, you should, you should check out Ari and you're going to quickly become obsessed with her just like I am as you get to know her through this show. So, you know, as I'm going through this, this breakup era, and as I'm going through this time, I just, 
I've been going back and forth on a lot of things and even sharing this. And I just, I knew that I needed to have Ari. She was also very present. She helped me figure out if this was decision was the right thing for me to do. She was kind of my, my intuition. She was my, she's my mirror through this. So I asked her to come on and to help me tell the story of what has happened and what has occurred. And just so you know, Ari, uh, she's she's not a real big podcaster. <laughs> she doesn't have a microphone. Uh, all she had were her headphones. So the thing is that she's just kind of, she's just here to be with us, you know, since I didn't feel confident in doing it on my own. And her sound quality just isn't going to exactly be what we would probably prefer it to be. So just know that as you're listening to this, I'm using a microphone and and she isn't. And that's no biggie. Um, but just be aware of that as you listen to this episode, because Ari is just is just being with us. And and here's the thing, honestly, you know, even after the recording, I, I find that I am still very scared, <laughs> very nervous to release this. I went back and forth for a long time on whether or not to do it. But you know, as I as I embark on this journey with you into stepping into the person, the people that we are becoming, and as I continue to walk into my next era, I have just I have felt it best to reveal. Yeah, what, what sparked this journey and, and set me on this path. Now, as valuable as that is, I'm, I am terribly concerned of the consequences that are to follow, even though I have worked hard to ensure that this has been handled with the utmost respect. I just don't know what's going to come out on the other side of this. You know, I'm, I'm not going to know until I know. And, you know, with me wanting to uphold that respect, I need to share, I need to clarify something that you will experience later on in the show. And that toward the end, I share the statement that I wrote that turned my partner into my ex. This is what I read to him to let him know my decision and, and why I had made it. And the thing that I, I feel like I need to clarify about this is that I actually, I, I did edit out and leave out just just a couple sentences um, that I, I felt were too personal, <laughs> if you can't believe it, since I'm sharing it at all. Parts that were too specific or, or intimate um, or, or would provide details that I think would be unfair of me to reveal for both of us, for, for him and, and for me. I just, uh, I, I removed a couple of those lines. And throughout this conversation, I am speaking from my personal perspective, which obviously, <laughs> obvious. Um, but, but what I mean by saying that is that this is not necessarily me owning up to all the ways that I have failed the relationship. I think a lot of what is spoken about in this conversation with Ari, which actually at the time that I'm recording this intro, we had recorded this uh, a couple months ago, probably at this point. I wanted to capture kind of what was happening in real time and those emotions in real time before I started diving into what will be the next episode, which is the consequences and, and even getting more into the personal area of the heartbreak era. But yeah, so I'm not exactly talking about how I failed the relationship. And a lot of what we are exploring is how I, I was failed. I, and as hurt as I am, more than I could have ever imagined, um, I, I want to point out this lens that we're going to be speaking through. I also want to point out that my ex is a good man. Um, he is a good person and he can be a wonderful friend and he has several redeeming qualities. He's simply just a man. <laughs> He's just a man. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And, and the more that I look back on all of this and, and the more I understand and the more I see clearly, the more I'm able to accept that we actually weren't as well suited for each other as we had originally thought. And, and I'm saying all of this because I am about to play a movie clip that will showcase 
pretty, pretty well exactly what had occurred in my relationship. And the tone I have now, it's about to shift um, going forward. You will see me struggle to keep the balance of that respect I wish to uphold and also being honest about the realistic nature of the situation. So what is this clip? <laughs> this clip, uh, well, I, I watched it just like with my other TikToks. I watched this over and over and over as I am the goddess of obsession, as we all have learned. <laughs> it came through a TikTok share and it was on my rotation. And it just, it made me feel so seen. It made me feel very validated. It made me feel that I hadn't completely lost my mind in why I had made this decision. It's from the 2006 film, The Breakup, starring Jennifer Aniston and Vance Vaughn. You might want to pull out the tissues because uh, we're diving in right now. And then we're jumping straight into the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a witness. If you are going through a breakup, uh, then I feel for you. Let's talk about it. Send me a voice note. I would, I would absolutely love to continue this conversation and see how we can really embrace this era for what is our best selves. Yeah? Okay. Let's dive into the clip. Our entire relationship, I've gone, gone above and beyond for you, for us. And I mean, I've, I've cooked, I've picked your shit up off the floor, I've laid your clothes out for you like you were a four-year-old. I support you, I supported you, your work. If we ever had dinner or anything, I make the plans. I take care of everything, and I just don't feel like you appreciate any of it. I don't feel you appreciate me. And all, I've, all I want is, to is for you to just show me that you care. Why didn't you just say that to me? Gary, I've tried. I've tried. Yeah, but never like that. Ari, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being um, my partner and telling this story. You know that I have like a lot of heart and intention in wanting to navigate this. So having you by my side is just so incredible thank you for being here and um yeah thank you Ari hi <laughs> hello hello hi uh for those who don't know me my name is Ari I have known I call her BMB but Brittany Marie I've known you for what oh my god since I think 20... it's 11 years now 12 wow okay so a decade plus one I feel honored to be in your space always but especially now in and having this conversation so I'm honored to be your friend I'm honored to be your confidant I'm honored to 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 talk this out with you so hey everybody hey Brittany Marie let's go let's go um as I introduced beforehand before I brought Ari on Ari is going to kind of interview and help me navigate really this conversation so Ari I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it to you Okay. I mean, let's get started with just the basics. How did we get here? 
Yeah. So, um, as I, as I've been kind of like, as I've been kind of sharing, um, throughout the show, I, I got really sick. I bright-sided myself around March. There were so many things that I was in the midst of doing, uh, several different creative projects and processes and endeavors that I was kind of really going after full steam ahead in a way that now looking back, I know is unsustainable. But when you are in the, mm-hmm. if you are, if you know about human design, when you are in the trap of the generator, you know, kind of flow, it really takes hold of you. I was just in the place that was really unsustainable. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with my chronic stress, and just a few things that had happened, basically, I just kept going and going and going. And my body was telling me to stop. My body was communicating to me to slow down. And I did not listen. And so my body then at one point, one day, just shut down completely. Just shut down completely. I couldn't operate. I was – I basically turned bedridden. And mm-hmm. I stayed that way for about four months. And in a previous episode, we talked about Akatar with Crystal Smith Aguero and, uh, you know, me reading and listening. And so if you want to hear about that process and what occurred, then please go to the episode. It's talking a lot about not just reading, but raising your standards. At any mm-hmm. rate, um, through that and hearing these stories about women who had power in a time and place when I did not. And also seeing relationships with men that were very supportive, that were nurturing. And basically, I'll just go ahead and say it. I realized that I had settled for a lot. And Ari, you know this. You know this well because you lived in Missouri for a long time. There is this energy that is there that teaches you to want to have kids at a very young age. Uh We talked about this in a previous relationship that I had, you know, and I was on that trajectory. And I think, yeah, realizing that I had thought that I was happy and settling. And when I say settling, I also mean in the context of like settling down and just in like Mm -hmm. everything possible, like settling was my forever home, all of these things. And it started to make me think about all the dreams that I had kind of gave up on when I entered my relationship. It made me realize, this is the big kicker, that I stopped asking myself what it is that I wanted as an individual. And I started only looking at my life through the lens of being this person's partner. So what I wanted was no longer important. It was about what I wanted with this person. And that became first and foremost, the thing, which again, my point was earlier by referencing where I grew up is that that is very much nurtured within you for women. I think especially, Mm -hmm. you know, that you are meant to want the house. You are meant to want the marriage. You're meant to want the kids. You're meant to want all of these these things at a certain rate, at a certain time, in a certain period. And if you don't have them before you hit 30, it feels like a failure. And I'm sure that there are a lot of women that can relate. There very much is a pressure within society. And it's different to know that there's this pressure in society. It's a completely different thing to look at your life in comparison to other people 
fictional or not, that are inspiring you, that are out there doing the things and coming to terms that you are not doing those things, it's it was very eye-opening. It was very eye-opening. And I had gotten to the place in my journey of going through this and looking at my life. And I had started thinking about, I have been wanting to move to Melbourne for a while now. I have been, you know, thinking and dreaming about living in Melbourne, like even just for like two years, just for like a period, just to experience it. But since moving into this house, well, that's no longer feasible because I've got this commitment to this house. I've got this commitment to this man who does not want to have that experience. I can't be parted from him. These are things that are in my brain. And so I started thinking about like, well, why didn't I, why did I, why do I feel like I can't go to Australia? If we're meant to be forever, then like, why is it a big deal if I go to Australia for two years? Why would that break our relationship? Why would there be a problem for our relationship? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm really being coherent at this point, but my point is, is that I got into the place of considering all of these different things and also considering the weight of the relationship and the weight and the burden it was placing on me as the woman who was having mm-hmm. to care for everything, um, who was having to take care of the house, take care of the animals, take care of him, focus on his well-being before my well-being mm-hmm. because that is the role of a woman in some relationships mm-hmm. and some ideas. Mm-hmm. And I do want to be careful about how I talk about this because I don't want to villainize my ex. I mm-hmm. want to be careful because he is a very good man. And um, it's important that I don't villainize this because for a few different reasons, I do not want to, one, make him a villain in, in general because he doesn't deserve that. Two, I don't want to hurt or put down the woman that fell in love with him. Yeah. And three, I just don't feel like that is an energy or a space that I want to get into. That's not how I want to look at this in this transition. Yeah. That isn't the story. Like that isn't the thing to get us forward, you know? Exactly. Like I don't want to I don't want to dwell on all of it in mm. that perspective. I want to look at this through a very specific lens that allows me to I guess handle this with grace, but more so just feel feel the good things and feel okay with my decision and feel empowered by what I'm doing rather than yeah. acknowledging the areas in which I was mm, disempowered and put down throughout the relationship i want to acknowledge that things occurred and that's what caused mm-hmm. them not to work out i don't want to villainize the experience it was simply an experience and this is what occurred and now being on the other side of this i know that it's for the better but it's still hard <laughs> it's still hard yeah yeah well and we've talked about this so many times about not making him out to be a villain and to your point about not dwelling on things and to your point on this isn't the the topic is not like what all went wrong um on his behalf right but I do I do really think that 
for the people who are listening to this as almost like this catalyst for themselves as well, like the moving forward of it has to reflect on the things that happened, which we have so many times, right? Right. But I but I think that there are these these little I don't want to call them red flags because I think that's like overused, but these little mark markers of these things that happened and from this different vantage point from where we are now, looking back, it was like, how could you, how could you have been like, yeah, this is okay with me. A, coin side A or coin side B is like from this perspective, this is how I will react in the future. Or this is how I prefer to handle it. Or if this is presented to me again, this is how I will walk away from it. And I don't think that it's always going to be this like piss posh on you for accepting uh, the life. And, and again, to your point, and it was just so well said, we don't want to shame the woman who was in love. Mm-hmm. We're not shaming her because that's not what this is about. But I do really want to look back at some of the markers that were like, okay, in the future, if I'm presented with this again, or mm-hmm. looking back the lesson that I've learned from that particular instance is whatever. So one of the questions that I had for you is like, what were, what were some of those markers? Like looking back, what are some of the things that stood out to you the most that you're hoping will be either non-negotiables in a future relationship, which we're not talking about that. Like, <laughs> yeah, too uh, yeah, way too soon. But like <laughs> any future it, relationship, yeah. like whether it be a loved one or it be friendships or it be like mm, any sort yeah. of partnership in the future, whatever, or lessons that relate to these businesses that we're running. Like, I think those are also applicable. Like things that happen in our love relationship that we're like, you know, this could be applied to something I will never do in a similar sense in business. So do you have anything that like sticks out that's been replaying in your head as a marker? Like, okay, no, <laughs> not again. That's a really, that it, I know that people say that on podcasts are like, Oh, that's a really great question. Let me answer it. But I genuinely mean, that's a really great question. And um, I'm going to be birthing this answer because I don't know if I've thought about it in that context. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I know something, something that, we haven't gotten into uh, is that I came to visit you. Um, and that was a huge mm-hmm. part of this journey and understanding and coming to terms with me realizing that terminating, terminating, I guess, terminating, Ugh. terminating. <laughs> I'm so like, <laughs> abrupt, but I mean, it is what it is. That's what the word means. I guess that's what it means. Um, this relationship. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I remember something that I brought up to you, that it just, it just kept like, um, I don't know if haunting me, but it kept, I kept looking back on it and wondering why did I accept this? And it was in the beginning of the relationship and we were communicating. Um, it was really important to my ex that we were learning about each other's, uh, like Myers-Briggs and different like personality types Mm. and what's your love language. And he just, he really wanted to understand how I worked so that way we could make sure that we met each other in the middle. So those are all amazing green flags, which we will get into later. So it's really interesting. I I love that. Yeah. (laughs) So it's really interesting how things turned, um, which we'll give more context into later, but yeah, I, Ari just took a sip of her soda and um, almost she almost spit it out. 
Um, but at the, at the time it was very much a green flag, but something I had communicated was that I really like the idea of being brought flowers every once in a while. And I, I've, Mm -hmm. I've never really had that experience, um, of, Mm -hmm. you know, of like a male individual. Why am I saying it like that? Probably because I'm still like, (laughs) I still want to be single, so I'm <laughs> phrasing this weird. Yeah. But um, a suitor, I guess, um, give me flowers Ooh. or someone who cared, you know, about me in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And I really haven't received flowers much at all, really. If I if I have flowers, I bought them. Anyways, I'm making this a really long story because I don't want to say this, <laughs> um, but I had communicated that that was something that I was interested in. I was interested in being shown affection through flowers. Mm -hmm. And he said, basically, no, that he's not interested in showing affection through flowers. And I remember that, I don't remember the details on it. I just remember that I brought it up again. And again, he did not consider that this was something that I was interested um, or that I felt like I wanted to experience. And going back and looking at that, I was communicating a way that I needed to, well, be communicated to, that I, something that I wanted, a way that I Mm -hmm. wanted to be loved. And the immediate response was, no, I'm not interested in buying things that die. So -hmm. instead of choosing to see it from my point of view and the fact that I do enjoy flowers and I have since, you know, like I, I buy my own flowers. So here's the situation, regardless if he feels a way about flowers dying and he doesn't want to buy them for that reason, I would Mm -hmm. be buying them without him being in the picture. So for me, it was more so I enjoy flowers. You see flowers that make you think of me. That makes Mm -hmm. me feel good when I look at the flowers and then the home. So it's just kind of this cycle. And again, I'm communicating a way that I want to be loved. And he has mm-hmm. not even a considered that as an option. So something else that is something else that, that very much I, I can't, I will never ever be able to tolerate again <laughs> is that I, I saw that we were having communication issues Now, let me give some context. When we fell in love, it was very quick. It was so much of a whirlwind. We started talking about marriage three weeks into the relationship, which is very wild fast. I kid you not. I'm now being on the other side. I'm a little embarrassed about this, but it is what it is. And it's true to that situation in that time. But I was trying to convince him to go to Vegas with me so we could just elope and just get married. And that was, that was the whirlwind and like the buddingness of that time and the excitement and just how connected we felt and how magical everything was anyways. So consider that, that within a few months, if I am thinking that I had found the one so soon and, or at least, yeah, so soon in a lot of contexts, but anyways, so soon, and I'm seeing communication issues. My thought is, well, let's make sure that we set everything up the way that we need to. 
if we're going to do this forever, let's do this right. You know, like let's make sure that it is like successful. You know, I don't want to enter into a a lifelong relationship and have to turn away because I, you know, my parents got divorced and, Mm -hmm. you know, I grew up and saw that and I've seen a lot, we've all seen a a lot of our parents get divorced. And it's not that I think of divorce as bad. I just didn't want that to be my story. Mm -hmm. So I had asked for counseling because of the, because of this, I don't remember how we got here. Um, I think it's through my insurance. My insurance was not the way to go for us to try and get counseling. But this man made plenty of money. <laughs> His insurance be fine. <laughs> so I I gave him the responsibility to set us up for counseling. No mm-hmm. big deal. It'd be no chip. I don't even think he would he would have had to pay for it. It was one of those situations where it's like a no brainer. He needs to set up therapy. And he said that he would. He said that he was down. Then cut to our relationship. It has been four and a half years of me continually asking him for us to go to couples counseling and him continually saying, yes, he'll do it and then never make it happen. And that was also that was also a thing is that I would ask for accountability in our in our relationship. And he would say, yes, absolutely, we'll do it. And there was never any follow through. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I will never accept again is a misalignment in lifestyle. I I don't even fully know what that looks like because I am entering these new eras. So I have to figure out what my aligned lifestyle is. So I can't even, I can't even like figure out what that particularly is. But I think first and foremost, I think it is the willingness to even like explore lifestyle changes because mm-hmm. I saw us going down this road where we were prioritizing watching television and kind of these cozy moments more than we were actually getting out. And so I had tried to make changes to get out of bed earlier so I could follow through on my health needs, which were to get back into walking because prior to our relationship, I walked everywhere. I would walk miles and miles and miles. And it was like my favorite pastime. I did it all the time. I was obsessed. And spending time with him and dedicating my time to him and prioritizing him and getting lost in him and losing losing the priority of my friendships. Mm-hmm. It my whole support then became dependent upon him. So when he when he said that he would help me and and that not following through, that's something that I, I I I can't do again. If I am asking for like if I'm having a hard time on my own doing a practice, something like walking, and it would be of benefit for you as my partner, who also mm. likes walking, to come with me and join me on this activity. First off, it's good quality mm-hmm. time. I don't see right. like a I don't see a negative to it. Like I'm not asking you to do something that is out of your comfort zone. The only thing that, that is discomfort about it is that you have to get up and do something. <laughs> no, I I think that when the things that are important to me are burdens to you. <sighs> Thank you. Yes. Like, <laughs> let's let's reevaluate here because I 
you know me, girl. I love to be in the bed. I'm a big time bed girly. So yeah, yeah. if I was with someone who is saying to me, this is what I need because I'm struggling in whatever way, right? Like I need to get out and to move because that's going to help my mental state. This is not a poo-poo on him. So I want to be very clear here. Again, we're not bashing anyone. But if I love this person, I will do what I can to help make that happen. Now, I'm going to be totally real here. You mentioned lifestyle alignment. And this is what we're talking about now. But like, I believe in individualism in relationships. I really Mm. do. I'm a chronic single girly. So like, I've just really (laughs) dug myself deep into my routine I understand that in relationships there is give and take there is compromise there's all of this there is it's it's bringing up the flowers too it's like there is a way for me to give you what you want and need without sacrificing myself in some way if I think it's wasteful to buy things that are gonna die which we buy wasteful shit all the time but whatever but if I think it's wasteful to buy things that are going to die, then I have a solution for you. I thought of two solutions. I'm going to get this hoe into plants, okay? Then she has to get with longer. One. And two, okay, if you want specifically flowers, great. I'm going to buy you things so you can have a thriving-ass garden. And you can have your own flowers that you can clip and bring into the motherfucking house. So I just, I find that wild. So then, again, as a girly who doesn't want to get up in the morning... My partner is saying to me, I need to walk or I need to move or I need to do whatever. And it happens to be in the morning. Then what I'm going to do is one of two things. Either I'm going to sacrifice the fact that I have to get out of bed. And maybe maybe we compromise like one one day a week, I get up with you. But the other days I roll over and I said, hey, babe, you got to get up. You got to go walk. It's not about us going and doing everything together. Like, please, I need my space. Get out of my mm-hmm. face. Yeah. But like. It is truly about support and support doesn't mean you have to always be doing it with me. It's about you signaling to me that you heard me and that you are going to help me in some form or capacity. Absolutely. And I, I think to your point, something I just want to clarify is that what I mean by like our morning sleepy time together is it became too much of a priority for me to remain in bed because that became our quality time. And mm-hmm. I needed us to explore quality time in other ways. Also, also, when I had asked him to like help me be accountable and to go on walks with me, I didn't I wasn't asking every day. I was asking like, hey, maybe a couple times a week we could go for an afternoon walk after work. So mm-hmm. I was trying to meet him where he was at so we could do that together in kind of like a collaboration. And there were certain things that I continued to communicate that I needed. And that just weren't enough of a priority. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that these weren't things that I wanted. These were things that I needed. So mm. if we are partners and I am telling you that this is affecting me in such a such way and I need to see change, well, if that's not a priority for you, then we're not – I don't think we're a fit because then it's not a true partnership. Yeah. Yeah, and – I, I tread lightly on the subject of relationships. And I think in this particular conversation as well, because I obviously I feel comfortable talking to you about it and all my other girlies and whatever, whoever else pokes and prods in that relationship. But I think that there is a, a general umbrella 
that relationship is supposed to fit under. And there are a lot of people who live in and perceive relationships to be this partnership in a way that I just don't necessarily get down on. And I don't believe that your partner's passions should be yours. Unless they are. Like if you guys are both passionate, that's how you that's how you came to be a partnership. It's how like those are the things you love to do together. Like, of course, please go on your little runs together. Like whatever it is. <laughs> but I I do really believe in I guess I said it I said it before, I'll say it again, individualism and people having their own things. And we don't have to do them together, but I, I want you to recognize that I have mine and I will recognize that you have yours. And and my goal in this relationship is for you to continue, for you to do those. And then I can do mine as well. No, thousand, thousand percent. And you know what? Now that's bringing up another thing. And I am re-exploring how to gain my individuality because I completely, as I mm-hmm. stated earlier, surrendered it. I completely became dependent, codependent within this relationship. I gave up my sense of self to be this person's partner. Now, to be fair, he did not ask me to do that. That was something that mm. I just volunteered, but he also let me and he let himself hold his individuality. So there's just some complexities mm-hmm. with that. Sure. Something that did really disappoint me was that my ex also had creative endeavors and he had expected mm-hmm. me or what felt like, maybe that's not fair, but I felt that I was expected to hold interest and actively participating in those interests, but then that was not returned to me. Yes. When I'm already supporting the household, I'm supporting, you know, you just essentially like even taking care of yourself and holding you accountable to do basic mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also having to hold myself accountable and and like show support for you and your creative endeavors. I just, I constantly was outpouring. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if I need this that deeply, but I've been framing it in the way of like, I do become obsessed with the people in my life and I love to be obsessed with mm-hmm. the people in my life. It is a joy to me. Mm-hmm. Same, same. And I want them to be just as obsessed with my work as I am with their work. That's not to say mm-hmm. that as you, to your point, please keep the individuality. Like if I'm not interested in that thing, then I'm at least going to be interested for your sake. I'm at least going to be engaged. Mm -hmm. I'm going to learn. I'm going to want to discuss it with you because it is important to you. You don't have to Mm -hmm. consume and engage in everything I do. But if you don't show interest and if you don't like replenish what I am giving forward, then that's Mm -hmm. not a match. So basically – I am going to be obsessed if, 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 I don't know, but if I ever get into a relationship again, I know that I will be so like consumed, obsessed, whatever, because that is my nature and that is the way that I show love. And if, if they do not show that same obsession and follow through and attention, I won't be doing that again. I will not be doing that again. Because I give up too much of myself and I deserve more. Yes. And, and, you know, I just want to clarify again for the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) While I am a chronically single girly, I, I identify so strongly with 
a part of myself when I when I was dating and when I was in relationships. Part of my resistance to relationships is that I love so hard and I I also get obsessed with people. I find that distracting. Like I just like my current circle of obsessions mm-hmm. and the people who I check in regularly with and the ones who check on me and the things I'm sharing and we're like going back and forth that opening that up to somebody else is such a, I mean, obviously vulnerable thing. It is so complicated. It is so tricky to what, what do you like sit down with someone and say like, okay, I want this, this, and this. I'm really independent. I <laughs> want you to be able to like roll over and tell me to get up and go for my walk. Like, do I just let that all, do I like write you a little manifesto because I, I need that to be like kind of like set up front or, or what? But I think what I'm trying to get to here is I so, I love when people are honest about loving and obsessing over people because I think that is so, it's such an important note in this particular conversation that honestly, even again, as much of a curmudgeon as I am, when you would describe how you felt about him early on, when you would tell me like, I think we were, you told me that you wanted to go to Vegas and just elope. And I was I like, okay, I wild. But also like, I under, first of all, you're so passionate that I'm like, she knows, she knows, she knows. And I still, I don't look back and think like, well, I'm glad we didn't do that. No, I don't think that at all. Cause that, again, that moment was so indicative of those feelings and, there's no, there's no shame there whatsoever. But I, but I do want to just hit home this like intense passion that happens in relationships and it is important, but it also does like cloud these other things. Yes. The cloud, the cloud is real. And now that I have the awareness that I have, and that's also a big thing too, is like, I, again, to, to your point, that was the time, that was the place, that was the experience. But also I I'm realizing now how young I am. And you know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking that, you know, I'm getting to, you know, I'm getting close to middle age and all of these ideas again mm-hmm. because society has put that on us. And I am a freaking yeah, baby. I am I'm not even a child. Yeah. I am a baby. Give me my bottle. Like that is the kind of baby that I am in the scope of things. And it is just absolutely. Now, if that has worked for you, then this isn't about you. I'm just saying in general, Mm -hmm. because I'm realizing now after 31 years of age that I am still just a baby. I'm just a little baby. Mm -hmm. How, How at 26 did I think that I was capable of making a lifelong decision and being able Babe. to sink my teeth into that and not like have the to, to not have the awareness that life changes and life grows and I'm going to grow and I'm going to change. And just I don't think I'm saying this very eloquently, but like Again, if you were able to make those decisions at 26, this is not a this is not a dog on you, but this is a this is me saying that I had no mm-hmm. right to be making lifelong commitments at 26 years old. I was not in the place, Girl, I was not in the mind, I did not have the awareness or even just like the the needing of the healing 
that I would have to go through to be mm. the person that I am today within all that I have experienced yeah, within my childhood and everything else. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Class. Class. So like I didn't even fully know myself. And now that I'm in this like, you know, identity crisis, I'm, I think, and also too, I'm probably always not going to fully know who I am because I'm always becoming. So it's just, mm. it's, it's just, it's wild. It's wild that I thought that I was capable of making such a definitive decision like that and to never question it. And I think that we need to explore, this is another conversation, but I I think we need to explore Mm. how we engage with commitments and what a lifelong commitment looks like. I'm not even sure how to navigate that. And that's something that I'm still birthing and considering because at this point in time, now looking back at this situation and this breakup and everything else, I I never would have thought this, but I'm unsure if I'm able to actually commit to anything. The longest mm. relationship that I've ever had is you, but committing to you is like <laughs> so like, I don't know, it's so effortless. Like I don't, it's not, I don't feel yeah. like, I think maybe that's it too, like I've never felt like I have made a commitment to you. I've just constantly chosen to prioritize you and to have you in my life. Mm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about this in an eloquent way and I'm still not even sure how to really explore this. It's resonating with me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is. You're, you're hitting something cause I feel exactly the same. And I, it's so funny that you even say this. this is how you know you're like my soulmate. Like <laughs> I, I have another soulmate as well. I believe in multiple soulmates. Yes. And yes. I was thinking about this before we got on this call. I was like, should I say this? Cause like, <laughs> I'm not sure how this is going to be received <laughs> to my other people. But like, if I'm going to get in a relationship, it needs to be the way that I feel about my other life partners. It has to, it has to be that effortless. I'm going to say this on the podcast just because I think it's helpful. So at my job, we got a new manager at a different department and we just happened to be in a room together. I was working on something. He was working on something. And we had ne'er talked but one time, like hardly at all. And this is maybe our second conversation. He says to me, like, this is a small, first of all, I hate small talk, but he was small talking to me and he was like, um, how long you been working here? And I like answered very shortly because I was working on something. I was busy, but whatever. He asked me how long I've been working there. If I wanted to be a manager, and I was like, I answered that question very shortly as well. And then he was like, Are you married? And honestly, I shouldn't have answered, like, because none of your fucking business. But are you married? And I was like, No. Like, what a weird thing to ask me. And then he's like, Do you have kids? And I was like, No. Like, what? And I shouldn't have answered. I should have just left the air. I should have just let it fly in the air. Like, let you feel awkward for asking this person you don't know these questions. And then, and then his next statement was like, what are you waiting for? And to that, I did not respond. I don't believe that having a romantic partner is the end all be all to life. I think that is a lot of people's goal in life. And there's no, I have no, there's no shame there. But I, I want everyone to be in a relationship that is serving both parties and not in like that false sense where you were mentioning before Missouri, girl, I get it. I, I live in Tennessee. I get it. This like idea that you marry somebody, you have a family with that person and you are committed for life. 
which like that of course that's the goal for committed to life is the goal but to touch on all the points like how are we choosing this person so young in our lives while we're evolving and growing and changing as people and then stay on this path together and I think that the partnerships that I have now where we have evolved and become these better better educated our brains are fully formed versions of ourselves that is what I want out of a relationship but I don't think that is a guarantee in life and I don't think it is a necessity to you being the the best version of yourself like you don't have to have that and so in the back of my mind is that like I don't have to have that but in society, when we're walking around, like that is that is how you're evaluated as a person, whether you have children, whether you're married or have been married, obviously your social status at, at work, all of that. And I think it is so irrelevant. And I think when you get into a situation where that is how you evaluate yourself, and then all of a sudden that change, your evaluation process is totally different. Not saying that you did that, but yeah. just like in general, it is really wild to experience that from our 30s I just think I I wanted to make that little assertion that I'm not super anti-relationship but I don't like being defined by your relationship yeah I I think that's a great point and I just don't know how I I don't know how I feel about it because I I was so I was so prideful I I thought that I was so loved because I had a ring on my finger Walking around with that symbol gave me so much joy, gave me such a strong sense of myself. And again, I think like affirmed that I was worthy of love and that's my own relationship. I have a lot of, you know, struggles with self-worth and just, you know, from different traumas and experiences within my life. But yeah, I... I did. I highly, highly valued that ring. And it it did. It became a huge part of my identity. And I'm I'm looking back and I'm just not even sh- I'm not but wh- you're right. Like what I like what identity is that? Like what what does that embody? What does that show? It's it's showing a sense of belonging. It's showing a commitment. But what does that really say about you? Because most of, you know, I would say mm-hmm. probably most of everybody is married and has a ring on their finger. So what does that say about mm-hmm. you as an individual and thinking about yourself as as an individual and allowing yourself to pursue the things that you want as an individual versus, again, the trap that I put myself in where I didn't al- – I never questioned what I wanted. I only questioned what was mm-hmm. right for the relationship and what we wanted together. It's mm-hmm. – it's yeah, I – I'm gonna have to think about that one. Yeah, it is. It is very weird from in this conversation and from this vantage point to to like be like, why do I value this? Why do I put value there? But like, I think there's so much to be said for people choosing each other. Like, I still love that. I still love when people choose each other and when they opt because there's an option. They opt to go into this commitment together and I get to like go party with them like obviously I love that and I get to put on like a cute dress that I don't get to wear all that often so I'm obviously I love it but I they're not mutually exclusive it's not that you have to 
be in a relationship and be in love and wear the ring and be committed to this person and that's it. There's also room for you to be in an individual who has their own goals and priorities and for them to have their own goals and priorities. So there's like this this trinity of stuff where like you're a partnership and then you're also individuals. And that's the shit I'm here for. Because mm-hmm. in the end of the day, I love the individuals. Like I don't really care about your partnership, but I love <laughs> you as individuals. So therefore, by de facto, <laughs> like if I love you both as your singularities, then I then I have to love you as your duality. You know. Right. Yeah. So I think that's what's most important to me. You know, and you made a statement earlier about like feeling like you're still adventuring and trying to find yourself and that you lost your individuality. I never saw that. I never felt like you lost yourself. And I feel like I don't want to poo-poo on on your feelings. So I don't want you to think that like I'm saying like you're, this is how you feel you're wrong. (laughs) I'm not saying that at all. But I, we talked still so regularly that I felt like you can totally know this is true. But there are friendships when someone gets in a relationship, you don't hear from that bitch ever again. Like they're gone. So it's just like, I, I do want to, I do want to say that the feelings that you feel are obviously incredibly valid, but I don't feel like I lost you. Not in our relationship. I didn't lose sight of you. Like you didn't look like you didn't look different to me. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting because I think that leads up to me making the decision of mm. doing this because mm-hmm. I, again, was in this, you know, kind of reading era, listening to these stories, thinking about my own story, thinking about the decisions that I had made and thinking about their transformations, yada, yada, yada. And I started reflecting on who I was when I entered this relationship and who I had become. And again, this was a very dark place where I had lost my power. I had no control over my body in any sense or form. These we don't have to get into that, but this is the point is it, it was very depressing, you know, mm-hmm. not a good state to be in, especially now when I was reflecting on who I was when I did have my power, when I felt my best. And as I was searching mm-hmm. and searching and searching for the person that I was when I felt my best, it was before and at the beginning of this relationship. And I looked back and continued to see my transition in this time. And let me tell you what, 25, 26-year-old Brittany Marie was a hot mess. Okay. She was a hot mess. She was in her mid-20s, baby. She was in her mid-20s, baby. She was living her life, baby. But damn, that bitch sparkled. And I know that's tacky. I know it's tacky to like say sparkle. But let me tell you what, she shined. Like Mm. the things that I did, the adventures I went on, I was very flirtatious. I was very forward. I was spontaneous. The the things Mm -hmm. that I like did and talked about and my passions and how like deeply I felt things and the way the things I would experience with people and be present with them were just no longer that spark was, Mm. I, I look back and it like it, it left. It's gone. And I don't feel like it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's gone. I just feel like it's been smothered. And I remember mm-hmm. I was um, I was with my, my ex and I was driving him somewhere. And it was a long – it was like an hour-long car ride. And I was talking about things and I was talking about, you know, I've been thinking about how I used to row right before we met. 
But since, you know, you had your own experience with rowing and then you were no longer able to row when we got together, I felt like I couldn't row because that would be, that would be, you know, uh, unsupportive of you and your experience. So I stopped rowing, even though it was a new hobby that I wanted to pursue and that I really loved. I loved rowing and it was such a short period of my life, but like I loved it. And I said to him, like, it really doesn't make sense why I stopped rowing. You didn't ask me not to row, but I felt like I couldn't row. And I've been thinking about these things and I'm thinking about how much I used to sparkle and I haven't sparkled or shined in a really long time. And I remember saying verbatim, and that's a damn shame. And so I'm starting to talk about these things a little bit with him. A lot of this that I was navigating was in my brain. I was so alone in this time. He was not with me. And so I took that as my opportunity to try and figure out my individuality because I saw, again, these stories of women being individuals, not being tied to men in the way that I was tied to a man. So as I am considering all of this, I kind of just in thinking about how I don't shine anymore and I used to and I would be doing all these things if I wasn't in a relationship. And I woke up Mm -hmm. and thought about all of the things that not only that I wanted to do, but all the things I have been settling with and the things that made me so unhappy in this relationship that weren't being addressed and in the ways that I wasn't being cared for. And it just, it just, I woke up one day and it just, it hit me. And I just thought, I think maybe I should leave him. And I was so shocked. I was shocked by my own brain for thinking this thing. Mm -hmm. Because if we were to even present, if we were to play this conversation to 26-year-old Brittany Marie who met and fell in love Mm -hmm. with she wouldn't believe it. She wouldn't believe it. She'd say Mm -hmm. it's fake news. She'd say say it wasn't real. She'd be in like absolute denial. She'd be like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, that's in the multiverse. This isn't my verse. That's the multiverse. That's another, yeah. that's another theory. She wouldn't believe it. Different timeline. Yeah. Yeah. And that is when I, I think I called you I, that mm-hmm. same day I contacted you and I said, I think I've made a decision. I need to talk to you about it. Can I come visit you? And I think that same day I bought plane tickets. And Mm -hmm. I did not speak about it until I saw you. And that was about three weeks time. But this was heavy on my heart. It was haunting me. And I felt like also here's another thing about me in that time period is I had just came off antidepressants. My brain had been so noisy. It had been so overloaded. It had been full of pressure. I did not have clarity. I was not in touch with my intuition. And I felt like I could not trust my ability to have discernment and to 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 even make a decision like this. And wow. that's why I had yeah. to come and talk to you because if I had that thought, then this was very serious and I could not make this mm-hmm. on my own. Three weeks later, I come to see you. And I think, Ari, did you, I, if I remember correctly, you said that you suspected that this was what I was going to talk to you about. Yeah. Oh, well, I just felt like when we talked on the phone and you said, I can't really talk about it right now, not maybe I didn't think it was your surroundings or, or I didn't think it was anything in particular. I just was like, there are not many things that you wouldn't say to me in the moment. 
So it had to have been big enough for you to have to come say it to me in person. And I knew that it had to be, I mean, I couldn't even think of many, I, that's the only thing I could think of. And I was like, what? If she says something else, I'd be really surprised. I just had a gut feeling that it had to have been this. You know, Ari, I want to actually, now I'm thinking about it because we haven't, we haven't talked about this and I, this is literally just coming to my brain. Did I, did I like complain about the relationship to you? Did I talk about like hardships with you about it up to that point? Wow. Cause I don't know if I did. I, I look back and I see myself like lighting it up all the time, bright siding it. I think that even if you were to have said something that would have been an issue or an annoyance or whatever, you always, I don't want to say bright sided, but you did, you did present them to me. Not, I don't think purposefully. I think you really did believe that they were like, it was fine because this was what you were choosing to do. And it was your part of the relationship. It was your, it was your love language to take care of these things in these ways. Um, so while I was like, oh, I would hate cooking for somebody. <laughs> you love, you love that. And I so I was like, it's not a burden. It must not be a burden to her because she, I mean, even when she comes, y'all, when she comes to visit me, she takes care of me in the same way. And I, I couldn't imagine being so loved like that all the time. So I always appreciate it. But I, I think that I always try to look at them through a different, through a non Ari lens. And so I, I didn't think that they were things that bothered you. But when you said I'm going to come and see you, I was like, okay, wait, let me like file through and see like, have I been missing signals? Or like, has she been low key telling me stuff this entire time that I've been like, wait, I've not been fully listening. All right. I missed the signals. That's what I'm saying is like, it, I was shocked. I was beyond yeah. shocked because even when I was in that dark place, never would I have thought mm -hmm. That this would happen. T coming to you was something that I had to do again because I couldn't trust myself. And you reasoning with me because from the jump we discussed it. We got straight into it mm -hmm. because obviously I've been yeah. carrying it around for three weeks. I couldn't handle it, and also that's just us. We're just gonna go straight yeah. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Why and wait? Why wait? <laughs> and I remembered that I talked to you about like what the potential roots could be. And I said, and this was so big to me, I said, I think it was, I feel like I'm 70% going to leave him and 30% going to stay. And I feel like I need to try and really see and explore this 30%. I actually came to you because I wanted to see if you could help me find a way through that 30%. And I don't know if I articulated oh. that to you. Uh, and I'm glad I didn't because you were very real with me. And also, I don't think you would have had been able to because I, mm -hmm. my, yeah. you, you reflected back to me that the reason why I was so stuck on this 30% was because I made a commitment and not because I wanted mm -hmm. to stay with him. And all yeah. of the solutions that I had thought of, Ari, this was so huge. You said everything that you've told me, you're not 70%, 30%. No matter how this goes, you are leaving him. From what you have shown me mm -hmm. and what your choices are, you are leaving him. And you continued to hold my hand throughout that week that I was with you because I fought it a little bit. I was trying to accept it and you were never, and you never were like, this is what you should do. 
all you did was reflect back to me what I was saying. Mm-hmm. You being my mirror in that time, I'm spe- I'm literally speechless. I don't even know how to like articulate it. My gratitude for you Aww. being with me in that time and like and being this mirror because I I I don't know where I would be right now in this moment without without you. And I was so scared to tell my ex that I had made this decision, that it was happening, and that there really wasn't a way back for us to come together. That was really mm-hmm. rough. And I, I was scared to do it for many reasons. And so right. on the plane ride from, from you back to Seattle, I have this note <laughs> – and I wrote down everything that I knew that I would need to say to him to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. I just free wrote it. And then I rewrote it again into kind of like a cohesive statement. I cried and it was done. The next day I read it to him and then it was the start of this journey. I want to touch on a couple of things. First of all, I think that your composure, let's even talk prior to the beginning of this particular point journey point of the story but your composure when you came to see me like you talk about being in a cloud and in a fog and which you were again not invalidating that but like there was some under there was something happening in the cloud above below whatever in the middle I don't know where things were filing and sorting in a way where when you came to talk to me you had your ducks in a row not like your life ducks, but you just like the way that you were saying things to me was so clear that of course my reflection back to you is clear because you had made it clear. And over the course, it's the same. I think anybody listening to this, when anything comes to light, it is so bright that you're like, all of these other little signs and sto- like you would show me TikToks, right? Of oh, things I collected you're like, all oh, of I'm these feeling. TikToks. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah. And so when you show me this TikTok and I look, watch it, I look at you and I'm like, and you feel this way? And you're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so again, like, so you you know, you know, and anybody watch, listening to this can, can deeply understand when you know, you know, and all of the things that were like signals of like, hey, look over here, like acknowledge this feeling, but you're like, Hmm, that's interesting. And until not until later do you realize that that was like, oh, that was so obvious. So yeah, but I do you have that letter in front of you now? What you wrote on I, the plane? I do, I do. I wasn't sure if I wanted to share this because again, you know, I, I I want to be considerate of my ex and this and this mm-hmm. is this is my story. This is not necessarily his story, right? So I do want to be mm-hmm. conscious and considerate mm-hmm. of that. I, I just, I do, I do feel called to share it. And maybe this is a mistake. <laughs> maybe this is a mistake, but if I feel called to share it, then. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll see. So this is, um, this is what I wrote. And this is what I sat him down and, and read to him. As you know, I've been in a bit of a life crisis mode since coming off my medication. I've been doing so much reflection, questioning every single life decision I've ever made. Seemingly, I've changed my mind about so many things in my life, and as a whole, I feel like I have woken up from a deep slumber that the desires I now have for my life, the person I want to become, has always been there. 
I've just kept them buried at bay because I fell in love with you and that became more important than anything else. I now know that it is not enough and that I deserve more, that you deserve more. And so I decided to make two big life changes. One, I want to move to Melbourne in January 2025. Two, I want to uncouple with you. These are not decisions I have made lightly. In fact, I've been struggling to face these desires because of their consequences and for how much they hurt you. I had to see Ari so that I could talk this out in hopes of being able to find any way back to each other. But the more I talked, the more I could see that uncoupling is the right thing to do. It's not simply the worthwhile work of falling back in love, but rather the realization that we are not the best suited partners for one another. We express and need love in different ways. You need someone more stable and sure of their life. I need someone who can dive into the dark with me and help return me to the light. I'm too fickle and indecisive. You're a rock, strong, and centered. These things sound like they go well together, and for so long, they really did. But in reality, I push and you pull. And that can never work in the long term without great sacrifices of the self. I think we have both sacrificed too much, or at least I'm aware that I have. After reflecting on our past, I was able to see how this relationship has been breaking apart since the day we canceled our wedding. It's been hard to notice it happening, but now that I understand we are not right for each other as romantic partners, I can see how true that is. When I made my commitment to you, I made it with every fiber of my being. And now with my heart having changed, I question whether I am able to fully commit to anything and anyone. I know that this is hard and I need you to know that I do love you. I don't want to lose you as someone important in my life which is why I would like to try uncoupling, working towards separating into individual lives rather than splitting immediately. I'd like to live together as roommates and work on our way towards becoming friends. I understand if this idea is too hard and if you want to split as soon as possible, but I hope you will consider it. Lastly, couples counseling is something I have asked for within the majority of our relationship. If you would like to finally try this route, I'm willing to try for the obligation of the commitment I made to you, to us, but I am confident it's too late or possibly wouldn't even have worked in the end. Again, I have not made these decisions lightly. If there was another way, I would take it. We both deserve to be happy, and I am doing this so that we can both live our best lives. Please tell me what you would like to do. I am truly at your mercy and I will not fault or blame you for however you want to move forward. I want you to be safe, happy, and in comfort. I will respect what you choose. Girl, I really feel like this is going to sound insensitive, but I really mean this seriously. Like if someone brings up with me ever again, they they had better write me a letter like that because I think that is the most heartfelt and genuine thing to admit your faults in it and to not impose the faults that you think that they have and to say and and you are saying like we're breaking up period we're done this like caveat yet again about 
okay, and if, if this, if you want to continue with me, this is another alternative. So it's like, here's option A, option B, option C, option D. Like, I, I have the utmost respect for you. The utmost. Thank you. You talked before about composure. I was composed. I was composed. And I also mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that I set that up in the way where, like, I quickly introduced that we were having a very serious conversation. And then I wanted to, like, mm-hmm. rip the Band-Aid and say, this is exactly what I'm mm-hmm. choosing. But I was very composed. Um, I have been mostly composed throughout this period. Mm-hmm. And at the time of this recording, it has been um, three months. Wow, girl. The end of the month. Yeah. and Because I because it was the day wow. after I got home. And the reason why I waited was because, and I, I feel like this is such a dickish thing, but also I wanted to present this to him in a way that made him feel safe. I waited the next day because it was a Friday and I waited till after he had finished work and I didn't want him to be in this headspace while he was there. I He had two days off. I know that trying to break up with someone, break up a fake news marriage in that... <laughs> In in that context, you know, it's yeah. I, I don't know, but I I just felt like again I was prioritizing his safety, so I was very composed through that, yeah. and it was obviously a, a very long conversation. And I the only time that I cried was when you know he said I I want to beg you to stay, but you've already communicated that it's it it's not fruitful, and I am I'm waiting for you to give me a sign that I, I can't, I can do something. Please tell me. Mm. And I had to sit there and I knew the answer was no. Ari, Mm -hmm. I could not say it. I had to shake my head and me trying to articulate that. No, it really was over. That's what broke Mm -hmm. me. And also what gave me, if I wasn't sure before that was the thing that told me it was really truly that that was the situation because me crying wasn't necessarily about hurting his feelings. I had already done that. It was about mm-hmm. having to face the truth yeah. of the entire situation. And that is what really broke me down and took me on this path. I will say that, and I don't completely want to get into this just because I do want to mm-hmm. respect his privacy. Dealing with this breakup I don't know if it's been done in the best way. I did mention uncoupling. I was hopeful that that was a route. Things became revealed after this time, which I will not get into. But yeah, it became very clear that my ex was aware of the fact that he was choosing to make decisions that made me unsafe and that did not allow me to pursue and practice the healthiest choices that I needed to just live and function mm-hmm. as an individual. He had decided to immediately, t- two days after um, he communicated to me that he was ready to start seeing someone else. And so that has also been very tricky. And I have been going through a divorce. It's obviously an emotional divorce because we weren't we weren't legally married. We were if you hadn't gathered, we were meant to be married through the pandemic. And then we had can- we had to cancel that wedding a week before. We had written our vows. We went away on our extended, you know, honeymoon trip. And it, that whole just moment 
that was what emotionally, you know, brought us to where we felt like we were now married. But he detached very quickly and he has gone through an inconvenient breakup, whereas I have gone through and continued to go through a divorce. And my breakup era continues to be very tricky in navigating that we are not going through the same experiences. Mm -hmm. We're not going through the same experiences and that we really truly are parted in this. So I'm I'm not sure about the effectiveness of the uncoupling. I'm not sure that is a route, but that was my hope and my intention because at that time when I had talked to him and I had wrote that, I truly did, could not imagine him not being in my life because I had yeah. made that commitment and he was mm-hmm. my best friend. Uh so it was it was a lot. <laughs> It was a lot. The breakup mm-hmm. era is it's it's real and it has been the thing that has been driving me in this time and in this process to embrace my next era, embrace who it is I am becoming, pursue my individuality, make the choices that I have known that I have needed to make for m- my happiness, for my health. Mm-hmm. I still am relearning who I am, embracing that, embracing all of those things. It's like I said, I'm a baby. (laughs) I'm a baby, you know, and we're just learning and growing and becoming together. We are. We are. I I lovingly called myself a teenager, like a 30 year old teenager the other day, because I was like, that's genuinely that's the energy I'm bringing to the table here. Like, She's kind of crazy. She's kind of sporadic. She <laughs> something really inappropriate at the family dinner, but like, she's lovable, whatever. But like, I, I really, I really do feel like we're on. I say we. This is a collective journey. Mm-hmm. I feel like we are on this emotional intelligence roller coaster ride, but it's also one. It is. We're on the up. We haven't hit the downs, but we're on the up because I do really feel like. I'm I'm not I'm not saying we're going through this. You are experiencing a breakup and I am witnessing it with you. But even just having these really heartfelt conversations are reminders that your heart is in there and that like feelings exist and that love is real. Like all of that is still so important in this conversation and that you can have humanity and be compassionate even when you feel real shitty. Which I think you've done. I've said it a million times. I'm going to say it again. You have been so compassionate. You've always been compassionate in your life. But you have been so thoughtful when you've felt your worst. And you have been so composed and so thought. I think I said thoughtful already. But like you just you've been so aware. And I I envy that. And I hold that. I I really want to take that from you and and express more of that in my life. And if there is a future relationship, like really be more of a compassionate person. I've always admired that about you. So, and this has been no different. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just receiving. I'm 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 in this moment, and I'm just I'm receiving that. I I don't think of myself as a compassionate person, but really, you know, yeah. I, not that I think that I'm not compassionate. I just don't like if, if I were to choose a word to describe me, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say compassionate, but I think maybe that also has to do with my issues of self-worth and not really Mm. being able to like own positive qualities about myself. I've been in a state of needing to prove my worth for so long. I think instead of saying, and I'm not negating you, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think if, if I, if that were to be turned on me and if I were had, if I had to be claim that for myself, I would say that I'm very present with people. That feels that feels yeah. more comfortable to me. Yeah, I listen as <laughs> as people who openly admit they have a hard time accepting some stuff and said towards them. I agree with that. I think that that's an interesting change up. Uh, you are really present, a hundred percent. I think you're present and compassionate. So, well, there we go. I think I do have a last thought, which is interesting because you know mm. Ari. You know, because you're you're helping me tell. You've been helping me tell the story. You've been so present with me and so just like amazing and just you know helping me navigate this, which is what I so needed. And you said yes, I'll do it. And you're just amazing. But um, it's interesting because you know I always ask my guests like, oh, do you do you have any last thoughts? Do you have any like last bits or whatever? And I feel like I I do. Mm -hmm. I I have my own (laughs) last last thought. And it's that. And we've talked about this before. My Mm -hmm. my health got so incredibly bad, right? Not even just like what Mm -hmm. had occurred to me in the summer. In general, my health has, this has been the literal lowest of my life. I have never, I didn't know it was possible to sink this low. And I have to take responsibility for that. This is my life. Mm -hmm. This is my body. This is my health. This is my being. The thing that I feel like most centered me in this decision to pursue this breakup, and I want to share this just in case any of you dear listeners who are here, you know, maybe this will bring that kind of aha to you. And gosh, I, I, I do not want you to go through a breakup. I'm, I'm not encouraging you to go yeah. through a breakup era, but just, you know, if, if that is in your alignment, then I would say, right, after, you know, being in this position – and not having the partner that I needed to help me get through this and to have a partner who I, again, asked for my needs to be met and to help me reach my own needs when I continued to help them reach their own needs, to have that not be received. I just, I truly don't believe that things would have gotten this bad or anywhere near this bad if I had a partner who was actually able and willing I think it's the biggest kicker, willing to truly be my partner in this journey of, you know, doing what I need to, to do to be the person that I am. The partner that I had was not willing to be there with me. And I just, again, it is not his responsibility. It is my responsibility. This mm-hmm. this happened because of me and my choices and the way that I continue to sacrifice myself, cho- choosing to do so. No one asked me to. I chose to do that. So this is my responsibility. This is this mm-hmm. is what happened because of my choices. But if I were to have a partner that was aligned for me and that was willing to meet me where I was at, I firmly believe that this never would have happened, that things would have never gotten this bad. And coming to that truth and coming to the understanding is what really sealed the deal for me that I had to go this route. I had to embrace my breakup era. This has been so incredibly difficult. This has continued to be the most difficult 
part of my life that I've experienced thus far, but I'm a baby. So who knows? Uh, hopefully it will be, <laughs> but we shall see. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's really what sealed the deal. So I don't know if you are with a partner that is unwilling to meet you where your needs are, I would consider raising your standards and choosing yourself because you deserve so much more. And I, I have made mm -hmm. a vow. We shall see. But I have made the vow that I will never let my standards be so low as they have been throughout my life. We are saying yeah. goodbye to that and we well are stepping said. into better, which is why I think I'll never date again. <laughs> which is why I think I'll never date again. Um, uh, so, oh, no. you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I just... I I refuse to believe it does not exist, but if you're a girly out there who's single and you don't want to be a single girly, like don't settle. Like it is it is not that it's not worth it, but like But it's not worth it. And be upfront. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, I maybe I should just say it's not worth it. It isn't. Like set your standards to yourself, personal. What are those standards? What can't you sacrifice in order for you to be a complete and fully formed and happy human for yourself. And because if you're not the complete human, you're not showing up for your partner either. So it's not just selfish. It's like the reason why they say put the mask on yourself before you help somebody else. Like yeah. you have to take care of yourself. So like set the standards for yourself and maybe don't like go seek that, but like be upfront about what it is that you need. And maybe people can meet that for you as well and say that, what are your standards? Because I want to know. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will say one more thing. Mm -hmm. I'll say one more thing on this just to bring this home. The mm -hmm. standards that I had set when I had met my ex were standards where I thought that I would be lovable at, where this is just oh. enough to get me by. I am just worthy of these standards of accepting this much. Wow. Yeah. I remember one of the things I made a whole list. I remember one of, I used to think that this was like amazing and miraculous because I had like manifested this relationship, which I feel really weird about like the term manifesting a person or manifesting a relationship or things like that mm. because people are like not things that, you know, it, that's a whole other conversation. But my point is, is that it was very much yeah. a manifestation mode and this whole era or whatever. But one of the things that mm -hmm. I had put on this list was he listens to me 67% of the time and pretends to listen to me 33% of the time. I think I wrote that verbatim. Interesting. Interesting. Yep. That's the kind of stuff that I would write wow. down. Oh, yeah. Because I did not think that I was worthy of being listened to. I didn't even think it was possible to be fully listened to by a man. Wow. So I was trying to just write my own standards and accept standards of what I thought was the truth out there, what I thought, again, I was acceptable at, what I was worthy of, and not really understanding what it means to have standards. So again, I'm not trying to like overforce this point, but raise your standards, <laughs> raise your standards and consider diving into the resistance audit, that template that I have that's linked in the show notes. It's free, grab it, face your resistances. Maybe not uh, setting your standards high enough is, is something that is holding you back. Yeah. And yeah, girl. You deserve more. Yeah. So well said. Ari, I mean, you've been helping me through this. Do you do you have any last things for me? <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, 
you you mentioned the start of this journey and it's crazy to say that well first of all there's so many touch points on this but like just for the first touch point of like us having this face-to-face conversation in August about this and it being now November since the recording of this in November and to just be honest about this being the beginning of a journey it feels like it's it's hard not to say it's the end of something, but it's so true that this is the this is the catalyst for the next era for you for sure. But even you know when you experience things with your life partners, they they do influence you and they make you also think about things differently and how you verbalize things. And so in the many conversations that you ha- you and I had at my house, I just had to like also verbalize some things that I felt as well not about you and your relationship but myself in relationships that I see myself in so it has also been a really reflective time for me to hear you say these things and to then play back my own thoughts and my and myself in old relationships like yeah like we've all been there and what do we want to learn from that so Selfishly, I I see your journey as a as a personal journey as well. But moreover, I am so incredibly proud of you and so honored to know you and so honored that you share this part of all of your all of your life. Let's be honest, <laughs> but especially this part of it. And I'm excited for you to be embarking on this this next chapter. The yeah the the. Th- the thing is, is that Ari and I get in this, I don't want to call it a trap, but we're yeah. very good <laughs> at communicating how much yeah. we love each other to each other. And we can go on and on and on. But sometimes I feel like this is one of those moments, Ari, where I am like, ditto, because it is especially, yeah. I feel like I can only articulate ditto because it mm-hmm. everything that you said i'm feeling it so deeply that again it's almost mm-hmm. feeling like i have this moment of like speechlessness and mm-hmm. there i remember saying this to you before but like i knew i could not talk about this on my own i knew that i needed to talk about it i felt like it was very important to get into this conversation to explain why are we embracing these next eras and to give context to further conversations that we will have and me sharing the person that i am becoming and encouraging you to become the person that you are becoming your listener and so Mm -hmm. there's there's literally no one else i would have even considered i would have even like thought of or that would have came to my brain to have this conversation with i mean there's a reason why you were my safe space when mm-hmm. I had this moment, I reached out to you immediately, um, realizing that this was something that I was called to do to end this relationship. And I am just, I'm so constantly, continually grateful for you and for you being in my life. And nothing brings me joy like being able to say, yeah, my bestie Ari. <laughs> <laughs> I adore you so I much. Love yeah, that. Ari, yeah, Ari and I. Yeah, so Ari. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. I feel that and I reflect it because it's, it's the GD truth. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. People need to be on the Jiffy train with you. There's so much more to your work and there's so much more that you do. And I know I shared this before you got on the mm. show, but everyone please it's not just like oh she's my best friend check her out like honestly like Ari is such an amazing artist 
I know you don't feel good about me saying this due to your face. So you're just going to have to receive yes, it. The biggest eye roll. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe we need to have you come back and we can talk about like my embracing positive feedback oh, era or yeah. something. <laughs> Cause neither of us Resistance, are good at it. Yes. We are definitely, uh-huh. we need to embrace that era for sure. Hey, hi. Uh, President Brittany Marie here, the one who's editing the show for you. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Uh, there was a really weird download error. And so that was just the end of the episode that I had for you. Ari and I kept talking and honestly, it probably is saving you <laughs> more time with your ears. Because from my recollection, we had a very hard time ending the episode. and <laughs> We just went on and on. <laughs> We just went on and on and on, you know, which is uh, very funny considering we were talking about such just a heart-wrenching topic. So I hope you didn't have to pull up the tissues. I hope that listening to this brought you some compassion, brought you some peace, brought you some connection, and made you feel less alone as you enter and move through your breakup era. Next up, I'm going to talk about the heartbreak era. This episode was a lot talking about kind of having and choosing the breakup. And this next episode in the heartbreak era is going to be more so about kind of the consequences of this and processing this and the emotional journey and and all of that stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of this. If you have any thoughts on the breakup era, please send them my way. Send me a little voice note. I would love to hear your thoughts. It'll get directly sent to my inbox and we could potentially be having a conversation about this, which I I would welcome warmly. If you haven't downloaded the resistance audit, what are you doing? Download the resistance audit, get in with the other girlies and start facing what it is that is holding you back so you can truly step into the person that you are becoming. And while you're at it, if you have enjoyed this journey, if you had um, appreciated the transparency along the way, um, why don't we just, you know, choose to fall in love with each other instead? And why don't you go ahead and give me those sexy five stars? Yeah? What do you think? Maybe send it to a friend. Let's dive into all the eras with all the girlies. Yeah? Okay. There we go. Now I'm going to end this episode. And that's all that I have for you. So until next time, I'll talk to you then. Mm-hmm.